Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, June 17th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. I am kind of partial to Nomadic Wanderer. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry. I, I kind of like that, but that's fine if you're going to go with arts and culture writer, whatever that means. So vague. <laughs> um, but Ashley, it's I guess it's official now. You are my new co-host here on Today on Broadway. So welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, for, for those of you that are concerned... After three years, don't worry, James isn't going too far. He will still be hosting this week on Broadway, except for one episode at the end of this month that I'll be doing. And Ashley, don't let me forget that I need to talk to you about that. Um, (laughs) And he will be filling in if either Ashley or I are unavailable for an episode. While this is probably going to be just as big, if not bigger, of a transition for me as it will be for listeners, James is going to be working on some exciting behind-the-scenes projects at Broadway Radio but this whole thing is his baby, so he'll never be too far away from either our ear holes or our hearts. Um, and when he told me that he was going to be uh, leaving us on today on Broadway, literally the first and only person that I thought about having replace him was you, Ashley. So I'm glad that we could actually make this work. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Well, speaking of, of that, Ashley, he did host this week on Broadway yesterday. And in addition to interviewing Mark Perry, the producer of Quilt, a musical celebration, alongside regular Broadway radio contributor Carrie Purcell, he spoke with Jenna Tessa Fox and Michael Portantier about Octet at the Signature Theater and Much Ado About Nothing at Shakespeare in the Park, which will at least be tangentially related to something that you and I discuss here in a little bit, Ashley. But mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So everybody take a listen to that. It's in your feeds. But before we get into the show and the news, actually, there was this thing on social media last week, which was everywhere on Friday. Uh, It started with actress Kendra James, who basically asked if someone offered you $1 million, if you could Uh, sing an entire Broadway soundtrack... Her words, Robbie, not mine. Don't get mad at me. I was just about to say, <laughs> I like cringed into myself. Yeah, but they'd give you a million dollars if you could sing the entire cast recording, but you couldn't miss a single word. What would it be? Uh, a ton of Broadway stars shared their thoughts. Audra, Lynn, all these people. So Ashley, as our listeners get to know you, what would be your cast recording to win a million dollars? So I have three whole albums on my phone because I have very limited space on it. And two of them are cast recordings, Sunday in the Park with George and the producers. So it's definitely going to be one of those two. I feel like Sondheim lyrics are going to screw me over in the end. So I'm going with the producers, I think. I've spent enough time researching and studying the producers that it's at least pretty burrowed in my brain. All right. And last week, I think I shared with you that I've never seen the producers. I know. So <sighs> Sorry about that. If I was going to answer this question, I would say none. I just wouldn't try it because there's I would I, there's nothing that I could do this with. I am just uh, my brain is deteriorating so quickly at my advanced age that it wouldn't even be <laughs> worth the effort. So that's that's the thing. I feel like the pressure is going to get me. I say Sunday in the Park, George or the producers, but. I feel like about five seconds and my brain is going to go to mush. I just want to hear you do the dog song. <laughs> do you have a million dollars to offer? <laughs> well, we'll see. So, Matt, uh, I heard over the weekend Barry Manilow announced that his new musical Harmony was finally coming to New York. Yes, apparently uh, Barry doesn't know that loose lips sink ships because at his <laughs> residency performance in Las Vegas on Saturday night, the legendary star announced that after years of gestating, 
his musical Harmony would finally be coming to New York in 2020. The show, which he co-wrote with Bruce Sussman, is the real-life story of the comedian Harmonicists, an ensemble of six young men, some Jewish, some not, in pre-World War II Germany who rose from unemployed street musicians to become world-famous entertainers. Now, the show previously had out-of-town tryouts at Atlanta's Alliance Theater in 2013 and at the Amundsen in Los Angeles in 2014. Tony Yazbek led the Atlanta production but was doing On the Town when the show was in L.A. Some other familiar names that have been involved in the past include Chris Dwan, Will Taylor, uh, Leon Larkin, current Broadway alpha by Hannah Corneo, and more. In this somewhat surprise announcement, Manilo said that the show was finally coming to New York next year, which actually presumably means Broadway. I don't think it's going to go to, like, I don't know, Syracuse or something. Sure. Um, it, it, sometime in 2020. He did not specify if it would be spring of 2020 or fall, but the show's producer, Ken Davenport, who was in the audience and whom Manilow shouted out from the stage, heaven forbid, has been teasing that he's been looking at theaters for a project. So I'm assuming it's this, and I'm assuming that this will probably be coming sooner rather than later. So I'm, I would guess actually that they're angling to bring this in at the end of the 2019-2020 season. But right. when you have a musical that was written, by someone as famous and as beloved as Barry Manilow, but it still takes six to seven years to make it to Broadway, that kind of makes me suspect as to what the prospects of this will actually be when it finally does get its main stem bow, Ashley. Yeah, that's always the question. I mean, is Barry Manilow also going to bring all of his fanalos to Broadway? There's also, I mean, he's doing his uh, his show at the Lent Fontaine this yes. summer. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Right. So I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's not exactly up my alley, as you said. It's taken six, seven years for it to make it to Broadway. There's a piece of me that if it takes Barry Manilow this long, well. What about all these other playwrights? How long is it going to take for them to get their shows on Broadway? Well, I and, just, it, and it's not even just six or seven years of writing. That would be a normal exactly. period. It's six six to seven years since it last, you know, since it started its out of town, you know, tryouts, and that just makes me think that it's probably not very good. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait and see when and if it actually does end up coming to New York in 2020. But you mentioned that Barry Manilow himself, not a show that he wrote, but himself will be at the in residence series at the Lunt Fontaine. But one of his previously announced predecessors, opening acts, whatever you want to call it, has actually canceled their week of dates. That's because Rain, a tribute to the Beatles, was supposed to play Broadway from July 16th through the 21st. That will no longer happen as they will be ending their tour, as was originally planned before the Broadway announcement, in the bustling metropolis of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I imagine things will go infinitely better for Barry and his residency, Ashley, but uh, I, I know none of this really matters to you because the, the next story is the only piece of real breaking news that you actually want to talk about right now. So let's just go ahead and get into that and dismiss Manilow and, and the Beatles. Yeah, I'm a little excited about this next story. So the breaking news for yesterday was Jake Gyllenhaal and Annalie Ashford are taking that Sunday in the Park with George revival that they did last year to London next spring. Yeah. And how excited are you when you saw this? Like, how, how excited did you get? I think I sent it to everybody I know, uh, <laughs> saw the article on Broadway World and essentially asked everybody I know if they could hear me screaming. <laughs> fair. That's That seems fair. Yeah. When, when you 
replied to me. It was in all caps, and I could hear it a thousand <laughs> miles away. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about the details. Yesterday, the Ambassador Theater Group, without a press release or any kind of official announcement that I could see at least, listed information for a transfer of the acclaimed Broadway revival of Sunday in the Park with George, the one that reopened the Hudson Theater back in the summer of 2017. After leading a concert production of the show for City Center's Gala in 2016, Tony winner Annalie Ashford and future Tony winner Jake Gyllenhaal reunited with director Sarna Lapine, the niece of the book writer James Lapine, for the revival, which only ran for two months on Broadway, negating the ability for the production to invite Tony voters, which really, I think, robbed it of some Tony wins and maybe even one for Jake himself. However, that will not be a problem in London, at least not for the Oliviers, as the show, again directed by Lapine, will play the West End Savoy Theatre for 16 weeks, beginning in May of next year. Of course, the two stars also reteamed for Ashford's Live from Lincoln Center concert, which aired last month, and it has always been clear, Ashley, how much they really enjoy working together. They seem to just have a ton of fun Uh, So this makes uh, so much sense. Uh, My only hope is that thanks to the more conducive union rules that we get over on the other side of the pond that maybe they'll film it. There had been rumors about Jake doing a movie version. So if they're doing this instead, maybe at least we'll get someone to film it and end up on Broadway HD. But but actually tickets for the show aren't on sale yet. But have you looked up flights at all? (laughs) I'm kind of always looking at flights to go to London, to be fair. The idea of a movie version of Sunday in the Park with George is very weird, abnormal to me. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those shows that you know there are plenty of shows that you could make the transition from stage to screen, and you know there has and continue to be. Sunday is not one of them, I, as we've seen time and time again. It, seems that London productions have an easier time recording shows or at least, you know, it's all about the Benjamins. Yeah. At least, or whatever the equivalent of a Benjamin. What's the, a Euroman? I don't know. A Euro, a pound. I don't know. With Brexit. I don't know what it is anymore. It's just the queen on, in every occasion, but yeah, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they're at least looking, they're considering it. I would love to see a version pop up on Broadway HD, and, you know, also they kind of owe us one of their Sondheim productions now if we're going to be transferring oh. Sunday to them. <laughs> I, I'm just going to put it out here. I believe that there could be up to four mm. Stephen Sondheim revivals on Broadway this season. That's just from what I'm hearing. We know of one. We know West Side Story is coming. Um, mm-hmm. we, we know that one if you're obviously counting that since he did the lyrics. But I think we could get definitely one uh in company and i think we could be getting a gypsy and or follies as well just just putting that out there i'm a little too close to my microphone to scream as <laughs> loudly you. as i, I want that. to but i I, I hope everyone can feel the energy coming off of me just so if, if that happens if there's three or four sign time shows on broadway this season it's not Bunell or whatever the hell that's gonna you know whatever that was gonna be <laughs> called but at least uh we get a nice consolation prize of some quality revivals. And also I will probably pass out. 
So there was a lot of uh, hubbub last week about the and this weekend over the reviews for The Secret Life of Bees off Broadway. Yeah, this was the uh, Atlantic Theatre Company's world premiere of the stage adaptation of The Secret Life of Bees. This new musical is based on the novel by Sue Monk Kidd and also at least in part, I would imagine, on the feature film adaptation as well. The musical features a book by Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage, features uh, a score by Duncan Sheik, and lyrics by Susan Birkenhead, and it's directed by Sam Gold. The show is currently scheduled to run through July 14th. And you're right, hubbub might not be the right word. I think anger and animosity mm-hmm. might be a little bit more appropriate, which we're going to get to in a minute, but I'm going to set you up here, Ashley. Let's start. Sure. With the quote-unquote paper of record, and Jesse Green from the New York Times reviewing the show opened his article by saying, quote, It should not be news at this late date that thick novels make thin musicals, and yet writers keep at it, aiming for Les Mis, but winding up with Dr. Zhivago. Ouch. Uh, you can see why they, out of love for the sweep and detail of big-boned books, surely that's the reason the top-drawer collaborators behind Secret Life of Bees came to the project. Unfortunately, they stabbed it so much, it bled out. Ooh. The mm. problem isn't the added songs. The score by Duncan Sheik and Susan Birkenhead is in fact quite beautiful. Mr. Sheik's music is his best since Spring Awakening, rich and plangent, with contextual nods to gospel, pop, and R&B. Miss Birkenhead's lyrics balance shimmering imagery with perfect prosody so that ideas are underlined instead of obscured. What's more, the songs are sung gorgeously by a cast that's equally powerful in solo numbers and ensembles. The problem is what the songs are added to, and how much had to be cut to make room for them. I don't envy the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Len Nottage the job of trimming the novel down to size, or the Tony Award-winning director Sam Gold the job of giving shape to what's left. Though the result doesn't yet cohere, it is a serious and honorable first draft. However, Ashley, he then goes on to question if this show should even be revised in order to get a second draft, seemingly (sighs) saying that it doesn't deserve to continue on its trajectory to Broadway. We'll get to that in a second, but I want to hit one other review Mm. here. Um, A number of critics, Mm -hmm. before we get to who I think should be the the review of record moving forward, um, a lot of them did the same kind of lame turn of phrase about the musical lacking sting, um, the like from a B, not from the police. Um, Anyway, Sarah Holden for Vulture wrote, quote, The story of Bees, the musical, turns all the emotional corners you you expect it to, often dipping into the maudlin and melodramatic as it does so. But the musical now premiering at the Atlantic under the mercifully cool direction of Sam Gold transmutes the content into something more. With its immediate access to outsized feeling, its genre-given ability to sidestep hard logic, and its potential for helping us to invest not simply in a protagonist— But in an ensemble, musical theater brings out all that's effective about the secret life of bees while dexterously downplaying its less convincing elements. Now, Ashley, you saw the show over the weekend and combined Mm -hmm. with Green's review of this show and his review of Much Ado About Nothing in the Park. I know that you have some feelings for the show, uh, you know, about this show specifically (laughs) and the mostly homogenous critical class in general. So since this is our first show together, I wanted to give listeners an idea as to things that really push your buttons and get you passionate about. So I'm just going to open the floor to you, let you talk about whether it's Secret Life of Bees, Jesse Green, White Dudes as Critics, whatever you want to (laughs) do. 
All of those things. Yeah. I mean, I think if critics focus more on content and clarity and addressing their own biases and how many honey and sting puns one can fit into a review, I probably would have spent less time this weekend, you know, angry at the state of theater journalism, which is a thing that does push my buttons. So yeah, Saturday was a two show day for me. The first show I saw was Fairview which ends by focusing and providing a space for people of color, specifically black people, but also the people of color in the audience, spoiler alert. And I saw The Secret Life of Bees at night, which is a show that allows for that space of anger and joy and love and faith simultaneously. I think it was the Twitter, like the social post on Twitter from the New York Times about bees, which was if Sam Goldlin, Nottage, Duncan Sheik and Susan Birkenhead weren't able to make the secret life of bees sing, maybe it can't or shouldn't be done, which, you know, I know the critic isn't in charge of the tweets, but Jesse Green, who wrote the bees review, also compared it to Green Book, which is so absurd, so absurd. I can't even wrap my brain around it. But no, I mean, there is there's very much a question and something I care about very deeply of does the show need to be made right now at this moment in our current culture? I don't think that's what The Times is asking. I know that's not what The Times is asking. They're saying this show feels like a first draft. So why did they even bother to make it? Which isn't helpful at best. Bees is not infallible and not flawless by any means. I thought it was beautiful. I agree with a lot of what Sarah Holdren said. It does need a lot of cleaning because some of the most dramatic, thoughtful moments of the show are rushed through. But that's also the key thing here is that art doesn't need to be perfect to be worthy, which is a lot of what this review feels like. And and we've gotten a lot of musicals in recent seasons that were nowhere near perfect. And you could much easier raise the question of escape to Margaritaville or getting the band back together. And does this need to be made rather than a show made, you know, other than, you know, Duncan Sheik, all of the other creators, Lynn Nottage, Susan Birkenhead, and then Sue Monk kid, who the show is based on her novel. All of the people that wrote the show are women. You have a a woman of color. It's a show about mostly women of color. Um, And it just seems like it's, I don't remember if I think it might've been, I I don't know if I'm uh, attributing this correctly, but I think it might've been Nicole Saratori who said that it felt like, like that Jesse Green was punching down Um, and rather than aiming it on his critical eye on things that actually deserved the question of whether or not they should have been made. This one is certainly one that justifies its existence in it. And this was one of those shows that I was going to see before I wasn't able to make my trip. So I'm, I'm sad mm-hmm. about that. But I I certainly believe that there is a better than 50-50 chance that we're going to see this in another New York Midtown venue sometime in the next year. Yeah, Nicole had said something like the all the shows, all the problematic shows that have happened in recent years, especially this is the one that you don't want to be made. And I mean, we talked about the new theater publications reviews a couple weeks ago, which, you know, go fund it. And that split about providing diverse voices versus kind of what's happening to broad the broad journalism industry of desks and full publications folding. And I echo and expand upon what I said then 
that the industry is terrifying right now, but having varied viewpoints in circulation, even if they're coming from people who already have status, uh, is, you know, better than having to read Brantley intentionally misgendering non-binary characters and head over heels because he thinks he's witty or David Coat calling Amber Gray in Hadestown a hoochie mama or Jesse Green suggesting that the actors in the public's much ado about nothing are having to play, quote, specifically black characters with interpolations of jive and hip hop so as to not appear to be pretending white. Which <laughs> there, <laughs> there are so many offensive things about that. We need another 20 minutes and someone far more eloquent than I am. But that alone proves how completely and utterly ignorant you know, white people are at talking about race and deep Tran already tweeted about when the review came out, but to claim that whiteness is neutral or the default or devoid of quote identity politics is reason number one of 1 million. Why criticism needs people at the top other than white men, white people consider themselves to be the default. Straight people consider themselves to be the default. Men consider themselves to be the default. For as long as we consider certain things to be the norm, our shows are going to look the same. The writing on our shows are going to look the same. The audiences are going to look the same. The fact that Brantley and Green are regularly called out on pieces they write by the whole of the theater community, if not because they're offensive and prejudiced, then just because they're gleeful and catty, a la their King Kong tag team review that they did. And the New York Times seems unbothered by it. It's it's frustrating for sure. And Times praise and pan doesn't have the same effect like it used to, but those pull quotes still up end up on banners outside the theater. Yeah. And, and it, it might not be the, sh- you know, the, the review that can keep a show running or close it by itself, but it is still the most impactful review that a theater production is going to get. So sure. we're, we're going to table this. Actually, we have many, many episodes and many, many reviews to, 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 to dive into this even more, but uh, I wanted yeah. to make sure that you were able to kind of talk about this on your first official episode here, but um, let's move on to something less controversial. I'm going to get into this week's theatrical schedule. And I'm going to do it really quickly. Tonight, Monday night, is the scheduled official opening of A Strange Loop, uh, the new musical off-Broadway from Michael R. Jackson uh, at Playwrights Horizons. However, they've had to cancel a few produ- or performances over the weekend because of an actor illness, so I'm not sure if that's still happening, if they're going to change it. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated if anything major happens there. Also closing tonight will be the long-running off-Broadway satire musical, The Musical. So uh, congratulations to everybody who's been a part of that over the years. Then on Wednesday, the new Rock of Ages Off-Broadway Revival will begin performances at New World Stages. Uh, on Thursday night, opening up from Roundabout Theatre Company will be Tony Stone Off-Broadway, the play that looks the first woman to play uh, in the Negro League uh, for baseball. Ashley and I, both huge baseball fans, so I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot of baseball mm-hmm. talk in this show moving forward. Also on Thursday, uh, it's not really, yeah. Uh, I don't really if you consider this previews because it's, uh, it's the reading series that we talked about before called Pride Plays from Rattlestick Playwrights Theater commemorating the 50th anniversary uh, of Stonewall. Um, so uh, with a ton of, of celebrities and, and theater artists, they're going to be a part of those readings over the next few days. Then previews also start on Thursday night for The Rolling Stone, the new off-Broadway play from Lincoln Center Theater. Uh, 
Then on Sunday, we have a series of closings. Uh, Nomad Motel, also at the Atlantic Theater Company, Enter Laughing the Musical, the extended run at the York Theater Company, and the previously mentioned Much Ado About Nothing from Shakespeare in the Park in the Public Theater. So what other news do we have? Okay, we got two quick things. Ashley, first up on Friday, the cast for next month's Encore Off-Center production of uh, Maria Irene Fornes and Al Carmine's Promenade was announced. Leading the company will be James T. Lane of It's Too Darn Hot fame, uh, along with Bonnie Milligan, Brian Hop Parham, uh, Sayora Joy Ross, Don Daryl Rivera, uh, taking a little bit of a break from uh, from Aladdin, I believe, uh, and more. There is uh, one more principal cast member that's going to be announced, which hasn't been announced yet, uh, but the show will run at New York City Center on July 10th and 11th. Also on Friday, as he has done with most of the casting for the In the, he- In the Heights film, Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted out the actor who would be playing the beloved Piragua guy, and it was none other than Lin-Manuel Miranda. As Ooh. listeners know, I have been pooling and hoping and, and vocally advocating for the original Piragua guy, Alicia Roman, to play the role in the film. I guess it's not meant to be. But I get why having Lynn in the film is cool. I'm, I'm always a big fan of, of cameos and stuff like that. But let's be honest, Ashley. There ain't no way that Lynn can sing those notes without oh, transposing them down a bunch of steps. I mean, he wrote them, yeah. but he ain't going to sing them like Alicia Roman can. No, of course not. But you know he had to make an appearance in the film. It was just a matter of what he was going to play. I yeah. feel like... That's where it makes most sense, honestly. Whether he can hit those notes or not, he can't. Um, <laughs> the only other, the only other principal cast member we we don't know now is uh, who's, who's playing Camilla. Uh, so we don't know what's going on there. We know Jimmy Smith uh, is playing Kevin. We don't know who's playing Camilla. Hopefully, we get that this week. Anyway, if you want more information on this story or any of the other stories that we talked about in today's show, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no, this is Ashley. Awesome. Thanks for spending a little bit of your Monday with us. Ashley and I will be back and talk to you tomorrow. Have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you then. 